The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans, and welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to find your podcasts. My name is John Boccasino. Thank you so much for coming to find us here. It is a great time to be a Buffalo Bills fan. There was a lot of news to digest from the past week. Uh, free agency came with a flurry. It really started out with a whimper as Bills fans for much of Monday were wondering what was going to happen, what the team was going to do. There really weren't many signings or additions at all. There were some whispers and rumors, but nothing really concrete had come about. And then, of course, there was the tremendous bang that came with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott working their magic and getting Josh Allen a top-flight wide receiver in Stephon Diggs. And uh, a great I, – I, listen, I'm very happy with how the Bills Hall has gone so far during free agency – um, there's a lot to break down, but before we get to that, I want to, of course, bring on my esteemed colleague, Jamie D'Amico, joining us here on the podcast. And Jamie, thanks as always for your presence and your insight. Man, the floodgates certainly opened early in the week. After it being quiet, then bam, we got hit with that trade and they just started rolling in, didn't they? Oh my gosh, did they ever? I mean, it was just fast and furious. The moves kept coming in one after another after another. And it, when all was said and done, including a re-signing contract extension of one of their most valuable players. The Bills have made eight moves to date of additions or uh, or extensions. Now, we're not going back to count Spencer Long and Quinton Spain. These are just in the last week. The Bills have retained or brought in eight players uh, to, ex- to, help, to help this team, which is clearly in win-now mode as Josh Allen enters year three of his rookie deal. So Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, realize that the time is now the best way to win in the NFL is with one of those young quarterbacks on a rookie contract. Um, obviously you can still win with an older veteran like a Tom Brady. And Hey, by the way, what a great segue into the fact that Tom Brady is no longer in the AFC East. Doesn't that just make you so happy now in the, in the long run, I'm not sure I'm going to be happy about it. I think it's going to feel like Joe Montana on the chiefs or Emmett Smith on the Cardinals, or even like 
uh, I don't know, uh, Thurman Thomas on the Dolphins. Joe Namath on the Rams or, yeah, there's all these different guys who signed, you know, Bruce Smith with the Redskins. I mean, Right. It's going to seem really odd and you may end up wishing that it never happened, that he just retired instead. But in the meantime, he's not, he's no longer in the AFC East. And here's the thing. I think the impetus for that was the Buffalo Bills trading for Stephon Diggs. I thought he looked at the situation and said, okay, I've seen DeAndre Hopkins go to a different team. I've seen uh, Stefan Diggs go to a different team. I wanted those guys. You're not going to bring me those guys? You know what? I'm out of here. And I'll bet you anything. I know I'm I'm really going down a rabbit hole here, but I'll bet you anything. That's why the Bills were willing to overpay because not only were they getting were they getting a great receiver? They were also forcing Tom Brady to decide to leave the division. I love it, man. Love it. Well, the Patriots, and it's funny you mentioned that, Jamie, the Patriots were also one of the other teams uh, who expressed an interest in landing digs once he became available through a trade, which was finalized for the Bills on Friday. So uh, it was New England and Washington and Buffalo were the three teams so far that we know that were in direct conversations with the Vikings to land the talented 26-year-old Stephon Diggs. I, the only the only thing I'll say about Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay, and I listen, you know, I he has been a thorn in our side for two decades, and I'm glad to see him go. But part of me kind of wishes he came back so that this Bills regime could just crush him and Bill Belichick and finally say we are better than you and we can make him eat all of his tears because he is just such a uh, – a human being who has everything at his disposal. And I want him to suffer watching the Buffalo Bills celebrate. But you know what? I still think it's a great move to have him out of the AFC. East. I, I hear you. And I, to a degree, I share that sentiment. But the rest of me is like, you know what? I, I just don't ever want to see the guy again. <laughs> he is. He's gone, Jamie. He will not no longer be uh, haunting you in Foxborough. <laughs> My nightmares. And the, Bills, <laughs> and the Bills don't play the Buccaneers this year at all. So the only chance they would ever have a chance of meeting up would be in the Super Bowl. And boy, mark your calendar, February of 2021, the Bills and the Bucks playing in the Super Bowl. What a <laughs> matchup that would be. <laughs> yeah. So let's get down to it, Jamie. You mentioned uh, you thought one of the impetuses for Brady leaving was the Diggs trade. And we mentioned the Bills and the Patriots and the Redskins were in direct competition to get Stephon Diggs, the talented young wide receiver who really has, has produced you know extremely well so far. Uh, during his early career with Minnesota. You mentioned the fact that you think it's an overpay. The Bills give up a 2020 first round pick, a 2020 fifth round pick, a 2020 sixth round pick, and a 2021 fourth rounder for Diggs and a 2020 seventh round pick. Now on the surface, that sounds like a lot of capital to give up, but let me spin it to you a different way. With the magic that Brandon Bean has worked with his wheelings and dealings, he traded and got extra fifth and sixth round picks for guys he was going to cut in Wyatt Teller and Russell Bodine. So essentially, this trade was digs in a seventh rounder for a first, a fourth, Wyatt Teller and Russell Bodine. Now tell me that that was an overpay. Ooh, boy, when you put it that way, it feels really different, doesn't it? Um at the same time, you have to look at what else could they have gotten. Let's say they wanted to take that exact amount of draft capital and move up in this year's draft. You could potentially put yourself in position to get in the lower teens and get yourself like somebody like CeeDee Lamb, who's going to cost less and is going to be on the team longer. 
You know, you you do have to weigh the cost benefit analysis of that. I think that you know, basically, if you take the late round picks that the Bills coughed up, it amounts to a high third round pick. Um, that's a little higher than I thought Stefan Diggs would fetch on the market. But what you do have going in your favor is that this guy is very cost controlled at a reasonable rate for the next four years. So there's a lot to like about this, with the exception of I'm sure they're going to have to renegotiate that contract before it's up because the guys on the free agent market of his ilk are getting 20 million a season, making approximately twice as much as he's getting. I just hope it doesn't come to that. Yeah, the way I see it, Jamie, and, and, and Diggs does have four years left on his contract. I believe the money total is $47 million. I believe he has left. He has a cap hit of 11 and a half mil in 2020 and then 12 million for 21 through 23. Um, to me, look, you have four years of team control. I guarantee you he plays out the 2020 season and then if he wants a contract extension that pays him more than he's getting now, that comes more comparable to what the talent is getting at the position. I'm sure they'll find a way to work out a deal because you don't just make this big swing trade without having all the contingencies figured out. And that includes extending, you know, giving Diggs the money that he's worth, the bread that he deserves. I I, I look at Amari Cooper getting 20 million a year over five years in his contract extension. And, and to me, I would much rather have Diggs all day long at his salary. You know, Cooper Cooper didn't want to come to Buffalo. He mentioned point blank that weather and climate were a big factor he was going to be taking into consideration for where he goes. And, and you know, Diggs, okay, so they give up the first round pick. I have seen projections that Buffalo could have packaged those picks and they could have gotten uh, realistically to number 18 to 16 was as high as I saw on the trade chart values them getting if they packaged all those to get there, where there's no guarantee that you're going to get Lamb or you're going to get Rugs. Um, Giroudi is going to be off the boards most likely you know, by the, the early teens. So e- here's the thing, though. In my opinion, Jamie, even if the Bills had, instead of going for this blockbuster deal, had said, we're going to take this and go draft one of the best wide receivers that we can. Let's say they do trade up and they get Rugs or they get Giroudi or they get Lamb, and they get one of the best receivers in this deep class. Young rookie receivers, although they have a better track record over the last couple of years, are still no sure thing. There's still no guarantee that they're going to establish that rapport with Josh Allen to really get on the same page, you know, route running, especially when you factor in, and I hate to bring it back to the coronavirus, but these uncertain times that we're in where you just don't know what we're going to get with mandatory mini camps and rookie mini camps and how much actual physical time Josh Allen is going to have to throw to this talented rookie receiver. Whereas with Diggs, he's been through the grind of training camp. He's someone I'm sure him and Josh can pick up their rapport pretty quickly because they're both, you know, Diggs is a veteran. He knows what he's doing out there on the field. So I feel much more comfortable working with a proven commodity like Diggs than I did in a rookie. Yeah, I, I do too. Uh, rookies, they they say general rule is that it takes them three years to reach their potential. Well, they have uh, they've fired a shot across the bow of Josh Allen with all these moves they're making and saying, you better get it right this year, buddy, because you have no more excuses left. None. No, absolutely not. And to give some fans some perspective, Allen's first season in Buffalo, his top three receivers were Zay Jones, 
Robert Foster, Kelvin Benjamin. Ouch. 2020, he gets Diggs, John Brown, and Cole Beasley. How is that for an upgrade at the position? That's pretty amazing because especially now, John Brown was the, the team's number one target this past season with Beasley being number two. This slides them back to where they actually should be, which is a number two and three options with a true number one in there. This gives them a, a really outstanding starting receiver core. Now, there's still some depth that needs to be worked on, and that's something that I think we're going to talk about along the way after we discuss the people that have been signed as, as a whole. And my last thought, my last thought, Jamie, I want to get one more thing on Diggs, my last thought on him. I've heard a lot of people say that they're nervous about the Diggs signing because Diggs has shown moments of being a malcontent uh, where he, he, he demanded out of Minnesota. And I've also heard people saying, well, boy, if he thought he had it bad with Kirk D. Cousins in Minnesota, what's he expecting with Josh Allen, who has a lot to be desired still with his accuracy? Now, we've covered to an extensive and exhaustive viewpoint the fact that Allen has made great strides in his accuracy from year one to year two. What I want to say to the people who are worried about whether Diggs is going to get pissed off with Josh Allen overthrowing him, look, I think this is a match made in heaven. I think you need someone who can go out there with a tremendous catch radius, with somebody who is incredibly reliable and dependable, and Diggs is the second best receiver in the league at coming down with passes in what they call contested situations where he's tightly guarded by a corner or by a safety, somebody who is in coverage with him. So I think even if Josh does overthrow him, Diggs is so damn good. He's going to go up there and find a way to come down with those catches in those tough situations. I am not in the least bit worried about Diggs and his mentality and attitude fitting in with Buffalo. How about you? I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know what the issues were that he had with the coaching staff and with his quarterback in, in Minnesota. If you watch the highlights of Stefan Diggs, you notice that a lot of those throws were really accurate and really put in a place where he could do something with it. Even if the throws were off, it was still the type of thing where it was within a, a close enough radius where he could adjust and make the catch. We know Josh Allen airmails some passes, so... I don't know if it was a personality issue or a quarterbacking issue that led to Diggs being unhappy. If it was a personality thing, fine. No issues there. If it was a quarterbacking issue, well, then he may have some things to say and be unhappy along the way. But I place a lot of faith in the McDermott regime for getting the best out of people, both uh, as players and their states of mind, too. I think that you've got a, a very tight-knit, strong locker room that isn't really going to deal well with a malcontent, or maybe it's going to bring him into the fold and he won't even be malcontent because he'll feel so tight with his teammates that he doesn't want to be upset or complaining about them. That would be the ultimate best case scenario. And, uh, you know, Jamie, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot there because again, these are all hypotheticals, but I just, let's celebrate. Let's enjoy the fact that for the first time since the Jim Kelly bills took them to the Super Bowl four straight years, Buffalo has a legit shot at not only making the playoffs, but doing what Bean has promised from day one, being a perennial contender 
in the AFC to get to and hopefully win that elusive first Super Bowl championship. The Bills, as we sit here uh, towards the end of March, are in that com- are in that conversation for being one of the best teams in the AFC, point blank. And I, I just I love the moves that they've done so far. We've gone in depth into the dig signing, which I think was a great great move. Where would you like to go, Jamie, with your next free agency? Who who else are you really thrilled to have on board? I'm pretty excited about Quentin Jefferson. He's so versatile. He's signed. He's a defensive lineman, and he's played a lot of defensive tackle. But if you look at some of the film studies on him, he's lining up at defensive end on both sides. He's playing defensive tackle, and there was a a breakdown by our own Bruce exclusive on Buffalo Rumblings, and he was showing at least one uh, play where – where Jefferson was a defensive tackle, but then was also covering a running back out of the backfield, which is something you never see from a defensive tackle. So, you know, this is a guy who I I think is, he's got a lot of, a lot of potential to make his $7 million cap hit look really good. Um, There's people that think that he is better and more versatile than Jordan Phillips yet is making $3 million a year less I like that guy. What do you think? Oh, my God. So here's the thing. Quentin Jefferson, when the Bills signed him, I had to take a step back and think, wait a minute. They've signed Mario Addison. They've signed Vernon Butler. And now they're signing Quentin Jefferson. And your first thought process is how amazing it is that Buffalo has taken a position of need in the defensive end, defensive tackles, and they've overhauled it and given it this huge upgrade. And to me, it all starts with Jefferson. You know, Seattle fans were lamenting the fact that the Seahawks didn't find a way to bring this guy back. And I love his positional versatility. I love the fact that he had more quarterback pressures than Jordan Phillips, despite seeing significantly less snaps uh, than Phillips did. And the fact that you're right, he can start inside, he can start outside, he can play on the edge, he can move inside to tackle. His positional uh, flexibility really comes in in handy in replacing what the Bills are losing uh, with Shaq Lawson from the defensive line, who really was that go-to de facto guy who could swing around the line and play different positions. Jefferson is that guy. He's great at stuffing the run. He can get pressure on the quarterback from the inside. I love this signing. I love the versatility, and I love the fact that it's not going to cost an arm and a leg for a guy who really his best football days are still in front of him. It's it's looking like if I had to venture a guess here, I think that what you're going to see at the right defensive end is going to see time split based on running and passing situations. I think you're going to see him playing a lot of defensive end on rundowns with Mario Addison coming in on obvious passing situations. And let me run something by you, Jamie. Here, you know, we saw during the offseason a lot of the marquee Pass rushers never made it to free agency because they were either franchise tagged or their teams found a way to bring them back for a contract extension. Quinton Jefferson, 39 quarterback pressures over the last two seasons. He only saw about 55% of the snaps during that time in Seattle. Of all of the free agent defensive tackles that were out there, he was the fourth best at getting after the quarterback of all of the free agents. And he's signing such a team-friendly deal I love the move. I think it's an awesome uh, addition for Buffalo. He's such a great rotational piece. And you're right. He's going to make the other members of the defensive line that much better because he can swing around and fill the gaps and fill the holes where necessary. Everybody is going to benefit from this. I cannot wait to see what Quinton Jefferson uh, brings to the table 
for the Buffalo Bills in 2020. I think it was a slam dunk win at a great, great salary out there. So I'm very happy. Is there anybody else that you're really excited about? Yeah. So I am, count me as those, look, Mario Addison, I think he's a, a, a nice signing. I think the fact that you know his contract is virtually the same um, as what Shaq Lawson uh, got from the Miami Dolphins, and Shaq is a lot younger than Mario. I understand that Bills fans might be upset about why didn't they just bring Lawson in at that same type of money. I, to me, I still like Addison. I think he's still got something in the tank. I know people look at the fact that when his deal ends, he's going to be 35. I don't see him playing to the end of this deal with Buffalo because the Bills are going to maximize. Again, everything is so critical about the next two years. You notice most of the free agents Buffalo signed were to two-year deals. Jefferson was a two-year deal. Butler was a two-year deal. You know, a lot of the guys they brought in were on two-year deals. That's the time frame that we're operating under. And Addison, I, I don't want to rag on the guy because he's a consistent pass rusher. He's had at least nine sacks each of the last four seasons. He's a premium pass rusher. He's versatile enough where you know what you're getting with him. Uh, he's going to get after the quarterback and be successful. I wish Shaq Lawson nothing but the best in Miami, but I'm pretty happy that Addison uh, came to Buffalo. I know he's another former Panther, which – for some reason, that seems to draw the ire of a lot of social media. Oh, look, the Bills are becoming, you know, Carolina of the North, but this guy is still talented enough, I think. I, I get that because it sort of feels like they're not doing their homework on the entire league and they're just going with what seems familiar to them, which may not necessarily be the best tactic, but at least that's the perception. I, I don't think that that's reality. Um, you know, it's very much the opposite of when Carolina was an expansion team and Bill Polian went down to take over as general manager and they became Buffalo Bills South. Man, the Buffalo Bills are now Carolina North. Um, but anyway, I getting back to Mario Addison. Yeah, what, what are your thoughts about him? I think that it's fairly obvious that the brass in Buffalo just thinks he's a better player than Shaq Lawson. To get, you basically had your choice between the players assuming that Shaq Lawson was willing to come back to Buffalo. Uh, if you're paying him the same amount over the same amount of time with less guaranteed money, I'm sure the Bills could have worked that out, but I think they just believe Mario Addison is better, and, and that's that. And if you believe that you've got a guy who's better than the one who was the incumbent, you sign him, especially if it's for the same uh, for the same dollar amount. Yeah, it was $6 million less in guaranteed money uh, for Addison compared to what Shaq Lawson got. By comparison, Robert Quinn got five and seventy with thirty million guaranteed from the Chicago Bears. So this is a deal that again is going to make Jerry Hughes better. Ed Oliver is going to be better. The pass rush gets a major upgrade. So to me, it's a little bit of an overpay, but I'm happy with the deal. I'm happy with bringing in a versatile pass rusher who can really put some pressure on the quarterback. I want to go, Jamie, real quick before we get to what we still want the Bills to do moving forward. The Bills also brought in linebacker A.J. Klein on a three-year, $18 million contract. A little bit of an overpay for a third linebacker, but the Bills really wanted a third linebacker in their set uh, to replace Lorenzo Alexander and team with Milano and Tremaine Edmonds. I think that was a little bit of an overpay, but I think... You know, I think he has enough in the run stuffing that he can be versatile to maybe play those 40, 45% of the snaps. But he is definitely not um, someone who is a great 
Um, he's he has, he brings very little in the the pass rush game. I feel like, and he's kind of a. I think he might be a bit of a liability in pass coverage. Yes. But you know, the- I, I I'm worried that he's the type of player who, when he's on the field, the the team is well the the opposing offense is going to force him into coverage and make him cover a, a tight end or a running back out of the backfield. That's not going to work out well uh, if if that happens. So I guess they're going to have to pick their spots well. But I think part of the value they saw in him is he's a special teams player. And an all-around good guy. He's a leader. He's been a captain everywhere he's gone. Um, the other head scratcher in my mind is well. Let me let me put it to you this way: Quinton Spain signed for under five million to be the starting guard for the Bills. That that's a very good uh, value. But Tyler Matejkovich, who the Bills signed to be a backup linebacker and special teams player, is getting five million a season. That seems like an overpay to me. When the Pittsburgh Steelers' own radio broadcasters came out and publicly questioned the amount of money that he was receiving, I, I got a big a big hint that this might have been an overspend. In fact, it was an overspend on Brandon Bean's uh, part out there. I know how much this team values guys who contribute on special teams, but when you sign, and, and the thing is, you know, he's not even really going to play that much on defense. You know, I don't think he's going to be someone who's really, unless there's an emergency, he's not going to see the field too much um, in, in a linebacker role. So this is purely a special teams play. I don't understand why the Bills couldn't have moved forward with Taiwan Jones, who they brought back probably at the league minimum, who is one of the best special teams standouts out there. Now, um, Matikiewicz gets a lot of credit for he's had 19 special teams tackles last year tied for the most in the season. But I don't necessarily know if that guarantees or warrants rather a uh, the contract money that he was receiving. To me, that was kind of a kind of a head scratcher. And another one I want to get to real quick is Vernon Butler. Um, I think of all the free agents that Buffalo went after, I like the makeup. I think he has tremendous potential. But this to me is the most likely biggest boom or bust signing that the Bills have made yeah. in 2020. I, I, I totally agree with that because he was really invisible, barely starting for most of his career. He um, didn't receive the fifth-year option from Carolina who drafted him in the first round. And then in his contract year, he comes up with a bunch of sacks, about six of them. Uh, is this a, a one-year guy? Like, how can you necessarily justify paying him $8 million a year uh, for a position where you already have a starter? That's, you know, if he builds on the previous season and he finds his way into backing up at Oliver and getting himself, uh, I don't know, another six to eight sacks, you know what? That turns out to be a pretty good signing. Um, but you're right on the boomer bust aspect of it. Now, one thing I, I do want to bring up, changing subjects a little bit before we talk about what the Bills' needs still are, is the philosophy behind the signings that that they're making here. They spent over $61 million of their cap space, and a lot of the people that they brought in are going to be backups or at most are going to be splitting time. None of them, with the exception of Diggs, is going to be a bona fide starter. I'm wondering if loading up on quantity is more beneficial than loading up on quality. Could you have taken that $61 million and brought in, um, I don't know, like a Brian Balaga 
to shore up the right side of the offensive line and then uh, Jadavian Clowney to play the uh, right defensive end. Would, would that have had a bigger impact than bringing in a Vernon Butler, a Quentin Jefferson, a Mario Addison? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I think that Clowney is still going to somehow find 20 plus million per year on the free agent market. I, I just have a feeling with the way edge rushers are compensated, he is going to get that big payday. Um, you know, as far as what, you know, quantity versus quality, I think my, my take on it is the Buffalo Bills now one to 51 with their players that they have on the roster. This is by far the best talented and deepest team that we have seen again, going back to the Super Bowl era bills of the early to mid nineties. So I listen, did they overspend on some guys? Could they have avoided AJ Klein? Could they have avoided Medikevich? Could they have done something different instead of bringing in Vernon Butler? Sure. They could have done that and gone for a one guy signing or two versus four or five. But what I like about this, Jamie, what was the biggest position that we said the bills needed to address during the offseason. Besides getting a playmaking wide receiver, what else was it? We said defensive end. We did. And what have the Bills done? They brought in defensive ends. Hey, I see what you did there. And it was plural, too, because really we talk about the depth of this. And this, you know what? Even though there's some two-year deals out there, I think what this does is it frees everybody else up on that line to be even better in 2020. Jerry Hughes, I expect him to have a resurgence this upcoming season. Ed Oliver only scratched the surface of his potential last year during his rookie season. I think he's going to have one of those, oh my God, this kid is a special freak of nature type of seasons in 2020 because of the surrounding cast around them. And I, I, you know what? As much as I would have liked to see the Bills go for a home run, A, they did in digs, but B, I feel like this team is so well positioned that with the draft coming up, they can go for the proverbial best available player versus having to make a run on receivers or make a run on a defensive end that might not fit their scheme. I I do fully get behind the best player available um, mentality going into the draft. And, you know, the thing that I I think they kept in mind is that this Bills team last season was unbelievably healthy. This is, they were one of the healthiest teams in the league, top to bottom, and you just can't bank on that happening year in and year out. So I, I like the fact that they have more depth on this team than we've possibly ever seen, maybe in a lot of people's lifetimes. So I- Ding, 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 ding. That's me ringing the bell in unison. Health of this team, I hate to say it, it's guaranteed to get worse in 2020 just based on the law of averages and how lucky and healthy Buffalo was last year. So, And, you know, the way they were positioned last year, a loss of any of the starters was going to be it was going to cause a big step back in the play uh, of the team. And, you know, I'm glad we didn't see that. But this year feels like they're a little better positioned for that now. Let's talk about what the team still needs, because there still are needs out there. There's a few holes on this team, um, and there's a couple of different positions. The first one that comes to mind is the running back room. Devin Motor Singletary is an excellent back. He's going to be a starter for years to come, and I love the guy. Love watching him play. Love those quick cuts. But there's nobody proven behind him. So... What what do you do there? There's got to be some free agents out there that you have in mind that you think would look good on this team. What are your thoughts there, John? My I agree wholeheartedly. The 
you know, to me, the, the area where Buffalo, there's four positions I think Buffalo still has work to do. And starting with the running back, I want to find a compliment, even though I think TJ Yeldon could still suitably and capably fill the role on the team. I want a better number two. I want a different number two. And for me, I'm going to start with Carlos Hyde and Lamar Miller as two targets. I'd love the Bills to go after and get one of these two former Texans to step in and be the number two complimentary back for Devin Singletary. I think Lamar Miller has a shifty game. He's big enough at 220 pounds where he's still able to be more than just that lightning type of back uh, who can attack the hole. I think he's somebody who is a three down back if necessary. He does come with some risk, but I feel like he would be a smart and a savvy running back to bring in. And Carlos Hyde, to me, I really love if the Bills could bring in Carlos Hyde. He's going to turn 30. He's a little bit of an older player, but maybe a one-year deal. He finds it uh, enticing to come play for a team that has a chance to win and win now. And I just feel like if you bring in one of those two, that really solidifies an area that could use some improvements. I I agree. And, you know, Lamar Miller has been... I think he has been rather underrated throughout his career. He's kind of getting tagged with a journeyman label, and I understand how that can happen to better-than-average running backs in the NFL. Uh, Carlos Hyde has absolutely been a journeyman. He was expected to be one heck of a player coming out of Ohio State, and I, I think either one of them would be a good addition to the team, assuming that they're not making too much money. So another position I know that you're looking at Safety. Now, I like what they have as far as safety goes. I think Jaquan Johnson, the re-signing of Dean Marlowe, Saran Neal on the team as backups. I think that they're pretty loaded, honestly, at, at safety. Why do you see that as a place where they need to add more depth? I just feel competition is never a bad thing. And I know that Marlowe is coming back. And, uh, you know, Jaqu- Jaquan Johnson, we still don't know what he really can bring to the table for this team. Um, Saran Neal can play both nickel corner. He's listed as a safety. I just want some competition at the position. And I feel like on the second wave of free agency, there's some guys out there like Cleveland's Demarius Randall, Miami's Rashad Jones, um, Von Bell out of New Orleans, even Adrian Phillips out of the Chargers. There are some guys who could be had on a one-year deal where they're not going to break the bank. And I could see them really being a solid improvement where maybe they push you know, one of these guys down the depth chart, I guarantee you Dean Marlowe's deal is not loaded with much guaranteed money, if at all. Yeah. So I, you know what, let's, let's, imp- again, continuing the theme of the podcast, let's get the best 53 man roster that we can. That's why I thought safety was an area where the bills could make a little bit of an upgrade. Cool. Now a, a position that we definitely agree on is looking at the wide receivers, you have an excellent top three. You have uh, you have an excellent special teamer in there in Andre Roberts. But beyond that, if one of those top three guys gets injured, there's just no real depth behind them. And we saw how that can hurt the team. When you have last year, when you have Isaiah McKenzie starting, you do not have enough depth on your team. So what are some players you think that they could bring in and would be a good value to play maybe that number four slot uh, to step in if one of the starting receivers gets hurt? Yeah, so here's my guy. Uh, I'm going to give you one to start off with, and then we'll see where things go with the conversation. But to me, I feel like a guy who could easily be the team's 
best number four receiver and would not break the bank at all is Richard, Richard Higgins out of the Cleveland Browns. Um, he, Bills fans know him very well. He caught the game-winning touchdown in that November loss uh, when Buffalo suffered a pretty bad loss at the time on the road in Cleveland. But I feel like Richard Higgins, he's only 25. He's somebody who still has a lot of potential in front of him. Uh, his best season was 2018 where he caught – 39 balls for 572 yards and four touchdown passes. He's someone who could easily come in and I feel like be a valued contributor as a number four wide receiver. Again, for an area where the Bills, when you're talking about your number four wide receiver, that's a nice luxury position to be worried about. You know, years past, we were wondering who was going to be the number one wide receiver, the number two wide receiver. So to me, going out there and getting a guy like Higgins, who still has a lot to prove, I feel like, would be a really nice addition you know, for the Buffalo Bills. Some other names out there that could be targeted as well. I think Rashad Perriman's going to get too much money to come to Buffalo. He wants to break the bank with his deal. Um, Philip Dorsett with the Patriots is intriguing, but I feel like the Bills have a lot of Dorsett-type receivers, so I wouldn't really steer towards him. Uh, quite possibly. And, you know, I, I was thinking about it and the addition of Higgins would be pretty nice because of his build. He's around six feet tall. He's over 200 pounds with that kind of build. Uh, you can get him to play special teams also. And that's when you're starting to look at your depth receivers, I want that versatility. I don't want a guy who you say, okay, well, either he's um, either he's playing on offense or he's on the bench. You need the guys that can step it up on special teams and make an impact there as well. And I think he's got the kind of build where, where he could work that out. And one more guy, Jamie, that I think fits that bill. You might have been saying you might be going to him. And if you were, I apologize for stealing your thunder. But I feel like Demarcus Robinson from the Chiefs would be another one of those guys who can play special teams and has decent height and is really buried on the depth chart with how many great receivers they have in Kansas City. I, I wonder, you know, because he's looked good from time to time, I wonder if it's because he's playing with a prolific offense or if he's the kind of guy who can break out with more opportunities. Uh, his next team is going to find out, right? Yeah, and as a number four wide receiver, you're really not asking him to do that much for you. So I feel like that would be another sneaky area that Buffalo could go after and, and address and bring in some help. Uh, but isn't it nice, Jamie, that we're sitting here and there's really now, again, the Bills are in such a win-now mode. We're not talking about, oh, my God, the sky is falling. They have to go after this guy. Otherwise, the year is doomed. There's so much depth, it seems like, at least on paper, with this team. You know, we tend to have, as sports fans, a familiarity bias, whereas we think that the players that are on our team who we've become familiar with oftentimes are better than they really are, which is why I think you heard a lot of people arguing the the potential of Zay Jones, even three years in after he had just not shown anything um, or you know, going back even farther, maybe like a, a Donald Jones who was lining up at receiver. And it's, it's really nice that we can actually look at this objectively and say, oh, um, okay, well, uh, we actually do have talent on this roster and don't have to argue the validity of having a guy around that might not make another roster in the NFL, yet we're talking about playing him as a starter. It's it's a very comforting place to be. Um, one more position I, wa- I want to throw at. Offensive line. 
I think that there is certainly some competition at minimum that should be added to this team, whether it be the interior of the line or either position on the right-hand side, uh, either guard or tackle there. I'd like to see them add some competition and really try to improve upon the play that we saw over last season. I think some improvements could be made. What do you think about that position? I think, uh, and Bills fans might be up in arms hearing about this, but I think this could be a position where Buffalo goes and taps into the former Carolina pipeline once again with Daryl Williams. Yeah? Why him? I think he, I, I don't know, I think he's somebody who's going to be affordable. Again, he this team, as we know with Brandon Bean, they love flexibility. And Daryl Williams can play both the tackle and the guard spots. He's somebody who, you know, clearly this team knows very well from their time working in Carolina. And I don't think he's going to break the bank account as much as some of these deals that happened out there. When I saw, you know, DJ Humphreys getting 45 million and Conklin getting 42 million. And then, you know, even some of the lower level guys, you know, um, the tie from the uh, Eagle signed for 50 million in five years. Some of these numbers are absolutely crazy. I think Williams could be had for a relatively cheap salary, in my opinion, based on some of his injuries and just the fact that the market really hasn't been there for him. And again, he might want to go to a place where you can kind of win now. I I think you may be right about that. And kind of looking at the future signings as a whole, I think that we're getting to the point, we're not there yet, but we're getting to the point where the players who get signed are really value signings. It's sort of when the dust has settled, who's still left out there without a contract, who's willing to play for less than maybe they're worth. I think that those are the players that you may end up seeing being signed going forward. I, I don't think that we're going to see any bigger contracts or major names being brought through the door. And in fact, you you may see free agency signings across the league slow down uh, until after the draft happens, whenever that may end up being. Uh, that usually is a time when you you know, you really do get your, your best value because those guys at that, at that point are just desperate to have an employer. So I, I think that we're, we're going to see some signings going forward and they're going to be some very good values. And I, I think you're right about some of these positions uh, or some of these players in the positions that the bills have available. It's looking good, man. It's like, I, I'm kind of excited about this team and let's see how well everybody meshes together. One more name for you, Jamie, uh, real quick. I also want to talk about the cornerbacks uh, just for a second. I feel like this is one more area where Bean can bring in one more veteran, one more low cost option to help solidify this position. Because again, we're banking on a comeback from Josh Norman. You know, Levi Wallace is back with the team. Trey White obviously is a stud out there, but I feel like in the way that the passing game goes, the Bills could always use one more corner. And there's one guy in particular that I'm excited to see Buffalo try to bring in. It's Bashad Breland out of Kansas City. Um, there's some names that maybe are more recognizable for Bills fans. You know, Prince and Mukamura is still out there. Jimmy Smith is still out there. Ronald Darby is still out there and hasn't been signed. Same thing with Xavier Rhodes. But I like Breland because I feel he's, again, somebody who the Bills aren't going to have to break the bank to bring in. He holds his own in coverage, and he's somebody who can be physical with the receivers out there and, and kind of has shown an ability to hold his own in the past coverage game. So if the Bills brought in a veteran like Breland, someone who's not going to command a major hefty salary, I'd be fine with that. I 
I agree with you because you have to hedge what Josh Norman is bringing to the table. Is he a guy who is going to improve his play in the right system or at his age, has he lost it? I, I think hedging your bets by bringing in a Breland is a great idea. I, I like his physicality, and I think that he's a player who would do well in zone in his own scheme. We've covered a lot of bases. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Jamie, on the pod? Nope. We've covered everything. We've given you in-depth answers here on the pod. We will, we will save one of the topics I wanted to talk about um, for a future pod because we're getting up at the 44-minute mark. Uh, here on the podcast, but it's exciting. Bills fans, I know that there is a lot of optimism around this team, and Brandon Bean has made a lot of moves after a very initial quiet period to the free agency signings. So keep posted for what the Bills will do for some of these second and third wave free agency signings. Of course, you can always get involved with our podcast. We want to hear from you fans. Get involved with us. Leave us a comment on the story on buffalorumblings.com. Get involved with us on Twitter. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. We would love to hear from our fans, right, Jamie? You know, it really makes it more entertaining when we can have that interaction. So reach out to us. Love it. Please. We love your feedback. We love your comments. We'd love to have you get involved with our podcast. I think that's going to put a big bow on our podcast for this week. We will be back Next week, talking more Buffalo Bills offseason, we will go through and talk about a really big question that is facing Brandon Bean right now. What to do about the young talent that has not been signed to a contract extension and how they can find a way to maybe bring back uh, Trey White and Matt Milano and Deion Dawkins. We will do a full deep dive into what we think of that contract situation for those three players uh, and more fun topics for Bills fans coming up next week on Bill Eve, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast.